Welcome back to Episcopal Priest Explains. I'm Kyle Martindale, your resident Episcopal priest, and today we're talking about multicultural ministries and racial and ethnic studies in the Episcopal Church, its importance, as well as ministry and leadership in these areas at a seminary. On with me for this time will be the Reverend Dr. Joseph Thompson, Assistant Professor of Race and Ethnicity Studies and Associate Dean of Multicultural Ministries at Virginia Theological Seminary in Alexandria, Virginia to work through it with us and take us beyond my own explanation. It's Episcopal Priest Explains. I might not know much about much, but I'm here to talk about stuff. For when your friends ask you questions and you want to show off, the first five minutes likely aren't enough. Because I'm going to be wrong and I'll ask someone smarter. So that first five minutes are more just like a starter. So you can stick around and hear from the experts, because there's more to know from Episcopal Priest Explains. It's Episcopal Priest Explains. Again, thanks for joining us today on Episcopal Priest Explains as we discuss multicultural ministries and studies in the Episcopal Church. We'll be joined shortly by Dr. Joe Thompson, but first I'm going to try to share some of what I think about the topic without getting too deep into things that we can't find our way out together. All right, now, let's talk about multicultural ministries and studies and move towards why it's so important and what it looks like in a seminary context. While Joe and I will go into much more detail later on, and my seminary experience began almost a decade ago at this time, I'm going to start out by sharing a little about what these studies were like for me here at VTS and why I think these areas play key roles in how the church operates or should operate after leaving seminary. During my time here at VTS, we on the ordination track were required to take a course on multicultural ministries in our first year. I believe in the August term, which is the term before the semester starts, when first-year students especially were on campus to take courses and seminar, seminars to prepare us for the rest of the time. We also attended a special training for anti-racism during this time. All that said, what this did for me was to help frame all of the other experiences of my seminary time in a way that I could view them through this multicultural context. From classes to small groups, from serving in an area church or a rural hospital, this was a foundation from which I, a young man from the South and then the Midwest, could build upon. These classes, along with an increasingly diverse student body and faculty, challenged assumptions, broke down barriers, and allowed for real and sometimes difficult discussions that brought us into better love and understanding. While there are other notes I could mention before we get started, I still had a relatively brief time in seminary and have very limited context for what the seminary now does. So I want to let Dr. Thompson do the talking. So you've heard my rough thoughts on the topic for the day. Now stick around as I bring in my guest, the Reverend Dr. Joseph Thompson, Assistant Professor of Race and Ethnicity Studies and Associate Dean of Multicultural Ministries here at Virginia Theological Seminary, to walk with us as we continue on this journey together.
Joe, welcome to Episcopal Priest Explains, and thank you for joining me today as we discuss multicultural ministries and racial and ethnic studies in the Episcopal Church and here at Virginia Theological Seminary. It's my pleasure to be with you, Kyle, and good to see you again. Good to see you as well. As we get started, can you share a bit about what brought you to academic work and ordained ministry in the church and here at VTS? Certainly, I'd be glad to. Um, I came to academia originally uh, going way back uh, when I was an undergraduate. Um, I discerned at that time that I was interested in getting a Ph.D., Mm-hmm. Uh, in African-American literature. And so I went on to get a PhD in African-American studies and in English. And so that was my first journey into academia. Um, and I did that, went on to teach <clears throat> African-American studies and African-American literature at Washington University in St. Louis. Oh. And it was while I was in St. Louis that I came into the Episcopal Church and eventually discerned that um, I was called. And uh, so I then came to uh, Virginia Theological Seminary as a student, um, as an MDiv student from the Diocese of Missouri. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was during that time that other things happened, and I didn't take the usual path of three <laughs> years and coming right straight out after that, but wound up uh, first working uh, in the collection and library and then eventually joining the faculty and the administration, which is what I do now. Um, so that's a little bit about my journey. Thank you very much. And and as, as you know, because you're looking at them too, that leads me <laughs> right into the next question. Uh, you know, and, and while you were completing your studies and, and uh, you were a student when I got here and, and a student when I left because you were also full-time working there in the library, Yeah, uh, you know, managing a whole collection at the Bishop Payne Library here at VTS while doing all these studies. So, uh, of course, things don't take a, the straightforward route that, that sometimes we see. And, and I'm, I'll just mention, uh, for those of you listening, when we were talking, we just said, you know, we have to find our own own path while we're doing those things. Because right. if we look at everybody else's, then we're not being true to what we're what our call has been. Amen to that. Uh, and so, can you share a bit about the collection you were working with? Yeah, it's called the African American Episcopal Historical Collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a joint project of the Historical Society of the Episcopal Church and also of VTS. And it lives in the Bishop Payne Library. It's a very important collection of the papers of uh, notable Black Episcopalians. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, some of the, just to name a few of the larger collections um, mm-hmm. that were part of the AAEHC when I was working with it, <clears throat> include the papers of uh, Bishop Walter Dennis. Um, the papers of Verna Dozier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, an oral history collection that is continually being um, added to. Oh, wow. The person who's in charge of the collection now 
Riley Temple. Oh, okay. Uh, is, I also know him. You know, so, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, you know, you know all these characters. <laughs> um, but he is doing a lot of great work collecting uh, new oral history. I mean, uh, conducting uh, new oral histories with people. Um, so it's just it's a very vibrant collection that highlights the significance of Black Episcopalians, mm. who, though you know, it's a small percentage of the Episcopal Church. It's a very important percentage of the Episcopal Church and has done a lot of great work to help the church live up to its creed. And uh, this collection documents that. Wonderful. Yeah, and, and and so often in the church, you know, wherever our context is, we see our context and we think that's how the church is and has been. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's important to to take these oral histories and to see these written histories and to acknowledge that for the whole history of the church, it's been more than just one little spot. Right, right. Uh, and been more than than just the church of empire very well said um, yeah so yeah. so thank you and that, that's exciting and i may have to I'll, I'll i'll say this on here so people can hold me accountable maybe next time i'm here i'll reach out to riley and we'll talk more oh yeah he'd be a great <laughs> conversation partner uh now looking at at what you currently do as a faculty member now at, at VTS and, and having transitioned into that role. Can you talk about some of the classes that you've been teaching the last few years? Sure. I've been more focused on the administrative aspect, but my kind of main signature course is called Race and the African American Experience. And the idea behind the course is that we begin looking at the notion that is still very prevalent in ways that are sometimes explicit and other times implicit. Uh, But this idea that um, humanity can be divided into these very distinct biological races. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you know, a lot of people would say that, of course, they don't believe that a lot of people would actually I still still actually say that they do believe that a lot of people would say that they don't and yet um, that kind of understanding still has a way of kind of seeping into and and creeping into um, into things and so we begin in that course just debunking the idea that such a thing exists Mm. that humanity really can be divided um, in these ways we are one uh, one species. And um, so we talk a bit about that. Of course, I'm not a scientist, but fortunately, a lot of very smart scientists <laughs> have made this information available to us right. in ways that are digestible to the non-specialist. So we begin there, but then we move into thinking about uh, how the idea of race and its development in the history of uh the United States of America and in um, the quote unquote Western world more generally, how it has come to structure so much about our society, uh, you know, where we live, uh, the level of access we have to health, education, Mm -hmm. to actual um, justice Mm -hmm. um, and in the uh, uh, quote unquote criminal justice system. So um, we then kind of take 
all of that apart and we and we look historically at how race as an idea as a structuring concept has developed and then we think about well what does it mean to begin challenging that and and what are the implications for uh, Christian discipleship once we have this understanding of what race is and is not right so yeah it circles back to how do we apply this to to the lives we're being called to live in in a world that we have to acknowledge day by day is broken right um thank you mm -hmm. uh, that it's uh there we had some similar classes when i was here but not you know the even in the last uh goodness it's been almost 10 years since i showed up on campus mm -hmm. at this point uh um studies have become more prevalent and this conver national conversation has changed absolutely uh, and it's um for me being a former student you know it's it's refreshing that these are conversations that are allowed to flourish and and grow here on campus and yeah um, and i know that it's been part of the the as as a, those listening will have already heard by the time we're having this conversation but in in our context it's yesterday uh you know we we talked about those roles into the into the look at the bicentenary here at, mm. at the seminary and mm. and being honest about how the lies we've told ourselves about who people are have affected how the seminary was built and grown through mm -hmm. the years too so mm -hmm. uh looking at trying to prepare folks what do you see as the biggest challenge in working with race and ethnicity in the church uh, and in in the world today i would say that the biggest challenge we're facing right now is the real assault against the teaching of history that is truthful mm -hmm. going back to what you were just saying um the idea that the very mention of the realities of slavery or the realities of race is somehow or should be somehow forbidden. Mm -hmm. um, that is a, a very strong current that has to be pushed against. Um, and it's not one that I'm necessarily, you know, here at, at VTS, I'm not, personally experiencing that mm -hmm. thank god um but it's it's in the ether i mean it's, it's something that we're all kind of uh being affected by in some way shape or form um when the starting point in broader society seems to be changing you mm -hmm. know right so the starting point is no longer um and and I mean, some would probably you know quibble like with okay, was it ever really, <laughs> was it ever really the the true starting point that that we acknowledge the the full impact of slavery and racism, and and the answer to that is probably well, we probably never fully did recognize that, right. but but the idea that you would now almost try to deny that these things ever existed or uh, why they existed or why they existed uh -huh. yeah and, and the lasting effects of their existence exactly exactly so it it um that's a that's a strong current that i think is a is a big challenge um and i think as as 
seminarians are going out into the church in a broader sense and going out into the world, they'll be coming up against that in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, and, and you said it with some way, shape, or form because in different places, it's you know even as we look at the national landscape in some places it seems more prevalent than others but mm-hmm. there's still even in e- even <clears throat> wherever you are you could be in the middle of new york where i am or in the middle of california and there's there's layers to the pushback so it's 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 not all this direct assault like you said right there's a lot of stuff that's subtle that that has been this resistance to fully acknowledging it the whole time, right? And it's just now right. popular and okay to do that, right? Uh, That's and so, the difference, yeah. Uh, so we're seeing seeing it more visibly, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't there the whole time, right? Right, exactly. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and having talked about the challenge, I want to remain hopeful. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so what are some of the most exciting opportunities that you see in this area, both for, for you and for students coming through seminary, either through one of the programs towards ordained ministry or for uh, continued lay ministry? Uh, it seems to me that the church, um, and, and, and I'm speaking particularly of the Episcopal church mm-hmm. is, um, in a lot of ways, more open to um, exploring these issues more deeply and actually attempting to do something about it. Right. Um, I mean, you alluded to the changes that you have observed from the time that you first came to VTS up until mm-hmm. now. Um, and I, I think that that is something that can be seen in various places uh, in the church. It seems to me a lot of that has to do with the um, the great work that has been done by Bishop Curry and mm-hmm. and his uh, staff to raise issues of social justice and racial justice and how they uh, relate to evangelism and creation care and mm-hmm. uh, they've they've just done uh, it seems to me a lot of fantastic work in that regard. And have have laid a real groundwork um, so that uh, people who feel called to engage uh, in that really have the support mechanisms um, to do it and and the kind of imprimatur to do it. So uh, that gives me uh, a lot of hope. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we talked about... um, you know, you do a lot of administrative work and, and I imagine still research and writing, uh, as, as kind of the head of a department, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's part of the gig. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you're also the associate Dean of multicultural ministries, Mm -hmm. uh, here on campus. And, um, so you help prepare the students to make sure that their ministry partnerships are inclusive (laughs) and to name the things, um, that, that are part of inclusivity in all aspects of building communities of faith. Uh, do you have a specific approach to this preparation or what's been kind of your guiding principle? I would say my approach in this area revolves around um, trying to equip seminarians 
to understand the context of why things are the way that the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to the class that I was speaking of mm-hmm. before, um, it, it seems to me that if we are trying to address particular problems in society, we have to have some understanding of the root of those problems. Right. Um, you know, how they have been over time built into kind of the fabric of a society or of a community. And so for me, a big part of the preparation is helping uh, them to have the, I can't teach all of that to them, you know, in the, in these, in the, in the, you know, class or two or whatever Mm -hmm. they might take with me. But what we can do is, equip and try to give tools and resources and, and, and some basic ideas and a basic framework that then people can keep coming back to so that as they're out engaging in this work, they have something to kind of fall back on and lean on that is grounding that um, helps them to set, helps them to set priorities and um, to, to have a discerning mind about whatever it is that they're, facing whatever it is that they're actually trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's you BTS being the kind of largest residential seminary in the Episcopal church, which you and I have been hearing at least the last decade. (laughs) um, It's uh, that means that when people go from this place, the context to which we return are so varied and, the best the seminary can do sometimes is to to prepare how to see things and 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 note them and and to see why things are the way they are mm-hmm. uh, and and be honest about them right know? i right. think that's one of the advantages of of seminary um there's an expectation on students here and on faculty um for authenticality or authentic whatever the correct word is for authenticity that. Maybe. Authent- yes authenticity there there's the word authentically, I, you know what? i like authenticality <laughs> that, that's a that's a that'll preach it has a much more uh, mellifluous ring to it right and uh you know it, me being authentic i will say i am not the uh the grand academic um, and so um but we can expect that authenticity uh, and and require it almost. Mm-hmm. And, and so that means we have to be honest about what the church is and what the world is so that we can continue to be truthfully and honestly who we, who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I know that, like you and I, many of my listeners are ordained or in the process of ordination. In fact, I just met somebody last night on campus that uh, heard me talking and said, "Do you have a podcast?" <laughs> I, and, and, oh, this and was a voice recognition. This was a voice and face oh, recognition. Oh, OS face too. Uh, okay. I, I was sitting in the uh, 1823 <laughs> pub, and they waved at me, and uh, I won't won't say her name because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but but she'll know. Um, and and, uh, and 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 said, "Do you have a podcast?" and and so I know that some people are in the process or ordained, but a lot of people who listen are uh, 
also working behind the scenes in lay ministry or have just come to the church, because uh, that's one of the primary goals of, of this podcast is to make accessible those things that so often happen behind the scenes. Uh, and so for those looking into church life or serving in their communities already, what do you see as the one thing that wherever we are in the church, we can make sure our vision of the church is an inclusive one uh, that not only invites diversity and uh, multiculturalism, but celebrates and embraces it. I would say that developing the skill of listening and discernment mm. is one of the most crucial things that one can do. Um, when you go into a particular context, recognizing with humility that you don't have all the answers in that context mm -hmm. um, that the people with whom you are engaging have a background, they have a perspective, they have a culture um, and that part of what you're there to do is you, you are there to be yourself and to be authentic, to be authentic mm -hmm. and to have that authenticality. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so that's part of the process. So uh, this is not a kind of self-effacing gesture, but the idea is that you also need to kind of unclog your ears and listen to what people are saying to mm -hmm. you about their own experience and their own background. Um, and then try to, discern what that means for you and how you enter into that space and mm -hmm. move in that space and try to work together with people in that space. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think those would be the, you asked for one thing, but they're, they're two, yeah. two related words for me, uh, listening and, and discerning, um, you know, very important, I think, whatever the context. Absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And a consistent, you mentioned earlier, uh, study of language and literature and a consistent conversation in our church is how language is used both in our daily life and in liturgy and how that affects the way we relate to one another and to God. Mm -hmm. uh, what role do you see language playing in multicultural ministries in the church of today and the church of the future? Join us next time for the conclusion of my conversation with Joe on multicultural ministries and studies in the Episcopal Church and what this ministry is like at Virginia Seminary. All references made to outside folks will be linked in the description of the next episode, so be sure to come back to close things out. Thank you all for joining us today, and I do hope you'll come back for more. Don't forget to follow Episcopal Priest Explains wherever you listen to podcasts or bookmark the show website. You can join in the conversation on the official Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, or even help build the conversation out on our Discord channel by messaging the show for an up-to-date link. I'm Kyle Martindale, and as always, all are welcome at Episcopal Priest Explains.